several marks of a false Christian are that they have unbridled desires for ungodly things. They reject godly authority. They have a rebellious attitude. And they speak evil of spiritual things. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Fathers, I yield myself to you. May you speak through me. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd move in power all over this place. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would stir in such a way that that we would be changed from the inside out. Lord, we ask that you would give me a divine unction that can only come from you. So therefore, God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would, would be acceptable to you and only you, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. Oh, Father, I pray all over this room, would you keep us from the schemes of the enemy? I ask, would you expose his lies and his deceptions that are all around us, that we'd see clearly truth? God, clothe us right now in your armor, that we'd be prepared for the battle ahead. Oh, God, shatter any hard hearts. We pray that I, that we would have soft, tender hearts. God, help us to understand that every person who is truly redeemed and regenerated is a minister of the gospel, that we, God, exist for the hallowing of your name. Therefore, Father, I ask, may the Spirit of the Lord be upon us today. And may we pierce the darkness in Chester, Virginia, to live the hope that resides within us. And His name is Jesus. And we pray this in His mighty, matchless and risen forever name, King Jesus, do we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, here in Second Peter chapter 2, we are continuing our journey here through verses 4 through 10. And we started a few weeks ago there in Second Peter chapter 2, uh, looking at that first chunk of Scripture, verses 1 through 3. And we're going to be dealing over the next few weeks with Peter's assessment through the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit of false teachers and false Christians and what that looks like, to be able to identify what that looks like in a, in a culture where everything is so convoluted that the lines have been blurred and it's just too easy to not see things for what they really are. It's too easy to masquerade in this culture as a Christian. It's very easy to be a false Christian in the United States of America. It takes little to no effort to just claim the name of Christ, but not be pursuing the things of the Lord, and you will just melt right in. Matter of fact, when I was thinking through that thought, it really hit me hard. I, I asked myself, and I ask you out loud as we dive into this chunk of Scripture today, but I want to get you thinking, but what are you currently doing? What am I currently doing to guard my heart, to guard my mind spiritually. I mean, just think through that. What intentional steps are you and I taking to guard our hearts and our minds spiritually? If we're not on our guard, we will 
be devoured. Uh, how many of you, by the way, uh, lock your doors at night just out of curiosity? Anyone besides me? Most of us do. I get it. You know, maybe you live out in the country, and I know some folks that still don't do that. It doesn't resonate with me personally, but hey, it's all good. And, and there's some folks that don't lock their doors, but why do we do that? Well, we, we take that step to lock our house doors, to lock our car doors for a reason, because we don't want our house or our cars to be broken into. But, but one of the struggles is this, is that, that there's an enemy from John 10.10 10, who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and if we are not locking the doors of our lives for our own hearts, our own minds, our, our families, our children, our grandchildren, if we are not taking intentional steps, the enemy will get in. We have to be on the offensive in this culture. You have to. And you got to be able to identify truth versus error. And you've heard me say this before. How will you know what's false if you first don't know what's true? As we hold up the Word of God. I think through that and as we process these verses, I want to make sure we understand this. Someone once said this phrase, sin has come to the church house to die. If there's an ever an hour, if there is ever an hour for biblical boldness to be the courage and the oxygen of the hour, it's now. If there was ever an hour where biblical boldness for men and women of the cross of Jesus Christ who are pursuing holiness to do the right thing and to pursue the boldness biblically, that is the oxygen, that is the lifeblood, that's the life-giving nutrient, the nourishment, it's now. I know people often think over the years, well, well why, don't you, why don't you tell us how to have a better marriage? Why don't you tell us how to handle our finances? Why don't you tell us how to be a better parent? Well, there's a reason. If I can get you to the holiness of God first, your marriage and your parenting and your finances will take care of themselves. But if I get you to how to be a better parent first without the holiness of God, you may be a better parent, but you'll miss the holiness of God. Oh, in this passage today, church, I pray we read it intently and with hearts and minds wide open. Because here's the description of false Christians and false teachers. And I want to back up to verse 1 of chapter 2 to give us our context from several weeks ago. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, Peter says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, of course. Just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly, stealthily, under the cover of darkness, it looks good, but they're going to bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Verse 2, and many and many, not few, and many who are on the wide path, not the narrow way, and many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth, the truth, not my truth, the truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, there it is, selfishness. They will exploit you. They're playing you. They're playing you like a fiddle. 
with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, however, and their destruction is not asleep. Today, verse 4, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment, if He did not, number two, spare the ancient world, but preserve Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when He brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, Number three, if by turning, verse six, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example. Don't miss this, church. Of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over the lawless deeds that he saw and he heard. Here's some good news for you that are redeemed and regenerated and saved. Then, verse 9, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. And all God's people said, Amen. However, warning, warning, to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And lastly, verse 10, listen to this description. And especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion, oh, here we go, and despise authority, don't tell me what to do, bold, willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Wow, oh wow. Hard teaching from God's Word, but glorious teaching for you, and I pray everyone is across the church house today, truly saved. If you're truly saved, you've got nothing to fear. If you're truly saved, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. You're going to face a lot of challenges in life if you're truly saved. That's part of the narrative. But here's the great news that in the midst of that struggle, even though the crowd gets smaller around you because you're standing for truth, you're standing for the gospel, you're willing to do the hard things. God does not call true believers to do the easy things. He calls us to do the hard things. We live in a broken, depraved, fallen world. And as you go to work tomorrow morning and you're going to live for the gospel, I, I venture to say that at some point in your day tomorrow, as you're living for God's glory, as you're pursuing His holiness, at some point in your day, perhaps as early as tomorrow, you're going to be tested in this. You're going to be tested. The enemy's going to come against you. He, he doesn't take recess. He doesn't take lunch breaks. He doesn't go to P.E., He's constantly working to kill, steal, and destroy. And the armor that we want to put on is from Ephesians 6, that we begin to to walk in this armor. Because if you don't, He's going to get in the battlefield of our minds. And you guys know this. He gets up in the battlefield of my mind and your mind, and He begins to play games up there. It's like a ping pong match. And He's constantly trying to feed us stuff that's not of the Lord. Just constantly gets distracted. And right here we see so clearly in this first chunk of Scripture, look in your Bible, it's verses 4 through 6, Peter gives three examples of how seriously God takes rebellion against him. I think rebellion spiritually is one of the easiest things to justify. This is what he says in his word. 
For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, verse 5, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah. Do you see the bold one? Did you see the biblical boldness of an example there that in the midst when everyone else is doing their thing, picture this for a moment, you're going to go in your front yard, you're going to build this massive boat out of gopher wood, Who knows what the homeowners association is going to be telling you as you get letter after letter in your mailbox? Can you imagine the persecution you're going to face? Courage is not courage unless it costs you something. Anyone can do the wrong thing. Anyone can go along with the crowd. It takes someone with a spine of spiritual titanium that simply says, I'm not following the crowd. I know God has spoken this. I know this is the Word has confirmed this. No matter what happens, we're going to trust God no matter what. That's what Noah did. And what happened to Noah? Well, he lived, didn't he? My concern is there's so many people all over our country today that profess to know this Jesus but they don't know him, and he doesn't know them. Write down key number one here in your notes. Write this down. Because God is a God of both grace and wrath, we must remember that he will make an example of the ungodly and the terror they will face. Write that down in your notes. Key number one, because God is a God of both grace and wrath, we must remember that He will make an example of the ungodly and the terror they will face. If you are under the impression that God is somehow okay with people that play games with Him, I pray you meditate on those verses that we just read. He literally is in the process. I don't know if you know this, and I think this is the challenge, and I've said this before, but I believe it's warranted to be said again. When we know consequences are coming, they are motivating, aren't they? Right? I mean, if you go to work tomorrow, and let's say this is, you know, your 10th time being late, at some point, your boss is going to go, chief, love you but not that much because there's consequences. We love the grace of God, and we all go, man, we love God's grace. He's amazing. He's a God of grace. His mercy, His grace is more. That's all true. The problem is this, though. In His passive judgment that we're in right now, deductively, in the circus between the ears, up here in this battlefield of the mind, we somehow trick ourselves, deceive ourselves into thinking that He's somehow okay with sin. And it's kind of like a bank account. If you read Scripture, it says this in Romans, that we're storing up wrath for the day to come. So those moments of constant envy of other people, storing up wrath. Those moments of selfishness, storing up wrath. Those moments of gossip, storing up wrath. And when His fury is released, according to Scripture, when that cord gets cut, no one in their right mind wants to be in the path of that fury. See, God is a God of grace and wrath. But His holiness, listen closely, His holiness demands He lay the hammer down on wickedness. I mean, just deductively think through this. For God so loved the world, we love this, right? Help me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We love this at football games and the goalposts. Praise Jesus. Amen. Like, <laughs> we got to get to the point, church, in this culture where there's shootings going on 
right here in this small community. We got to get to the point where there's bullying going on with young children in this community. We got to get to the point, church, where there's wickedness flaunted, celebrated right here in this community. We got to get to the point where we're, we're given a message that's just not, hey, who wants a free ticket to heaven? But the free ticket, if you will, the grace of God to heaven, now if it's real and it's true, produces, it, it's, it's doing something in the real believer, the true believer, that now wants to kill their sin. It's called the pursuit of holiness. Not cohabitate with it. Not rationalize it. Not justify it. Kill it. Put it to death. I was thinking of these Scriptures from 2 Thessalonians, write these down. Chapter 1, 5 through 12. Now, you talk about false teachers, false Christians. What will be the final chapter of those who truly reject Christ? Because it's revealed it's been a sham the whole time. 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 12. This is the Word of God. This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. Don't miss this phrase. For which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just, oh, here we go, to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Let me pause here for just a moment. So if you're living for the Lord and man, you are under the knife, you're in the vice, you're under the hammer, people are coming against you. Here's the great news from Scripture. As you live for the Lord, as you stand for the gospel, as you say, man, if none go with me, I'm following Jesus. I'll be the one. Burn me at the stake. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. May you pray for those people who are walking in darkness. You pray for those who are coming against you. But if that's any of us, to say there's going to be hell to pay would not be an understatement. This is how seriously God takes His holiness. Paul goes on in 2 Thessalonians and he says these words. And to grant you relief that who are afflicted as well as to us. Boy, that's balm to our souls, isn't it? For you that are suffering today, for Jesus, oh, it's balm. When the Lord Jesus is revealed, what a day that's going to be, amen? Then when Jesus is revealed, I, I hear the trumpet, amen? What a day that's going to be with His mighty angels in flaming fire. Are you getting this visual? Inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. That verse right there, if you're a true believer in the church house today, that one verse should be your motivation to not be involved in a country club, but be involved in a church that's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's going into the community, that's making a difference because I believe that verse to be true. And if that verse is true, there are thousands of people right here in our community that if they died today, would be lost forever. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. I got in my car yesterday and I drove to those neighborhoods we go to. And as I walked and prayed 
and walked and prayed, I couldn't help but think about that verse. And that house over there, I wonder, have they ever given their life to Jesus? Because if they haven't, God's going to release His wrath on them. And that house over there, it's a big house, but must be doing amazing. But have they given their life to Jesus? Oh, how my heart was just heavy. Because Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit here, reveals so beautifully, but so vividly, that when he comes on that day, verse 10, to be glorified in his saints. Did you see that? For you that are real and true in him, going to be marveled at. When <laughs> Jesus comes, are we all going to sit there and go, man, that was cool. Hey, Jesus, good to see you. You're a little late. Like, is that what's going to happen when Jesus comes? Oh, no. I mean, can you imagine what's going to happen when Jesus comes in all His might and glory and His fame? There's Jesus. I've been waiting for this day. All the pain, all the suffering will be worth it all. And we stand with Jesus. Amen, church? And then He says, lastly, in that text, to this end, Verse 11, we always pray for you. Here it is. Don't miss this. That our God may make you worthy of His calling. Pause. Who makes who worthy of the call? Not a trick question. He does. And may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by power, His power. Why? Here's the so that. Remember, when you see so that, you know this as we've studied this inductively over the years. Here it is. So that. Here's the why. The why. If you want to know the big why in this section of verses in First Thessalonians, here it is. So that. The name, the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. And you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Key number one, because God is a God of both grace and wrath, we must remember that He will make an example, warning, warning, play games with them of the ungodly and the terror, the devastating, horrific, unfathomable terror they will face unless they repent. Look at verses 7 in 2 Peter 2 through 9a. Peter shifts his focus now to the power of God to rescue the righteous. So here we go. Verse 7, and if he rescued righteous Lot, not perfect, we know Lot's story, he wasn't perfect, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, Anyone else distressed with the sensual conduct in our world today? Verse 8, For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds, burdened, that he saw and heard. Here it is, verse 9a. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Can we get an amen on that last part? It's interesting, so... Rescue, it means this in Hebrew and in the Greek, it means this to be saved. So when someone says, I got saved, what they're saying, whether they know it or not, is I got rescued. Uh, we know this, we've talked about this before, that no one rescues themselves. That'd be weird. Hey, how'd your day go, honey? It was great. Well, what'd you do? Well, I rescued myself. Oh, you did. Great. That'd be strange. How was your day today? It was crazy. And I got trapped, and then some people came, and they rescued me. That's the whole point. You get rescued. 
You don't rescue yourselves. And the enemy, though, he'll play those mind games. He'll say, well, here, if you just do this and do that, and, you know, again, good works, and, you know, uh, you just don't measure up here, you don't measure up there, but finally when you do, then you can be in the club. That's just not how this thing processes out. It's all about a life saying, look, I realize that I need you, Jesus. I'm going to throw myself upon you, Jesus. Now you do the rest of the work. And he begins to change from the inside out. But it's very intriguing, this word trials. This word trials, look in your Bible here, 9, verse 9a. Let me read it. Then the Lord knows how to rescue. So he knows, God knows what he's doing. We don't have to help him. He knows what he's doing. To rescue the godly, the righteous, those that live in holiness and walk in that. Not perfect, but pursuing through Christ Jesus from trials. Here's what that Greek word means. It means this. It's an attack with the aim to destroy. Now, it's interesting because often we'll think of trials as in my garage door won't shut. The car won't start. We ran out of chocolate chip cookies. Whatever it is, right? Those are trials we call in life. We're on I-95 Friday evening, 5 p.m. That might be able to be argued as a trial. Amen? I get it. I totally get your point. That's not what he's meaning here. That's why you got to study Scripture. Peter's talking to a group of people that are saying, you know what, if none go with us, we're going to follow Jesus. They're suffering persecution, and he's talking here contextually about being attacked from other people with the intent to be harmed, physically perhaps, emotionally perhaps, mentally perhaps, definitely spiritually. That's why the key number two is so important in your notes. And here it is. Write this down. If my life is bearing habitual Christ-honoring fruit and giving testimony of a true conversion, I can live with confidence knowing that the Lord knows how to rescue me from my trials. Now you say, well, where are you getting this from? Well, read it again, and then we're going to go right back to the Scripture, and I'm going to show you exactly where we got this from. Key number two, if my life is bearing habitual Christ-honoring fruit and giving testimony of a true conversion, I can live with confidence, knowing that the Lord knows how to rescue me from my trials. Look for a moment in the Bible in front of you, 9a, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. The word godly there means this, those that are bearing Christ-honoring fruit, those that are giving a testimony from their life, not perfect, we all struggle, we all fail, we're stumbling forward, but there's evidence of a true conversion. There will now be confidence from that that God knows how to rescue me from my trials. I don't know about you, but just knowing the fact that God can, He may not choose to in this earthly life, but knowing the fact that He can rescue you when people attack you for standing for the gospel, does that make anyone else smile besides me? That's awesome, isn't it? Because here's the deal. The Bible says this, that all that desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, there's that word godly, will suffer persecution. So if you are a true Christ follower, especially in this culture today, when things are spiraling more and more out of control by the day, here's the bad news. The bad news is this, is if you really are going to be in for Jesus, you will be persecuted, period. There's no way around this, except to not really be a Christ follower. And that's where the wheat and the tares are going to get sifted. Who's really in? Who's really out? I think of Romans that encourages me, and I pray it encourages you. Romans chapter 8. Write this down, verse 31 through 39. Listen to these great encouraging words that I pray will encourage you as perhaps you're going to be attacked as early as tomorrow at the water cooler at work because they're going to challenge you and they're going to go, hey, what do you think about the new Disney stuff coming out? Christian, what do you think? Where do you land on that one? And they put you under the microscope in front of all your buddies. Well, 
Go back to the Word. What then shall we say to these things? Paul asks. If God, it's translated better, since God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who, here it is, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who shall attack with the intent to harm God's people? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Church, do you understand that? We've got to pause here for a moment. Right now, for the true believers in this room today, Jesus Christ, by His power, by His righteousness, in the midst of the attacks that you're facing for saying, you know what? Biblical boldness is the oxygen of the hour. I'm willing to stand. I'm willing to stand. If no one stands with me, I'm standing. Again, burn me at the stake if you need to do it. For those that are willing to take that courageous stand, here's the great news. Jesus Himself is interceding for you. I don't know about you, but that's a... Baptist amen moment. Because who else do you need standing for you and with you when Jesus is standing for you and with you? Paul goes on and says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He asks that question and then he drills down. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or the sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. (laughs) Sounds fun, doesn't it? We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And then here it is. Here's the hammer. He says, no. He says, no. In all these things, Not apart from these things. In. In what? Well, there it is. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword. In all these things, church, the true believer, we are more than conquerors. The Bible says this in the Greek, that it literally is hyper-victory. If your kids ever played t-ball, or soccer, or football... And one team was winning 35 to nothing at halftime. We called that what? The mercy rule, didn't we? Actually, we called it another thing. That was a good old-fashioned beating is what it was. You know what I mean? Well, here's what happens. I want you to picture the greatest mercy rule in history when you read that verse. That in these things, not apart from them, because sometimes Jesus, as much as we pray, we may plead three times for the thorn to be removed, and sometimes God goes, my grace is sufficient. That's hard, but there's times in the midst of the fire, He goes, I'm going to hold you in the fire, and we want to get out of the fire, but many times God goes, I'm going to hold you in there, I'm refining, I'm pruning, I'm making you more like my son Jesus in all these things, not apart from these things, but in these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, you want to talk about a testimony at the water cooler on Monday morning. Anybody can go God's way when He's going their way. But when you're in the midst of the furnace and the heat keeps getting turned up and you're still able to praise Jesus in your storm, That's going to preach a thousand sermons as people are looking for anything to dull the pain and fill the voids in life. And then lastly, he says in 38 and 39, for I am sure. Did you catch that? I love that phrase. It means this. There's a definitive confidence. Paul says, for I am sure. So he didn't say, hey, guys, you know... We're hoping. He didn't say, man, these are tough times, and 
you know, we're just going to cross our fingers, our toes, and our eyes and just wish this thing works out. No, he says this, for I am sure, for I am confident, I am determined that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, you get the visual here, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, that's good, isn't it? I mean, you can't get excited about that. Whew. That's it right there. He'll go, where, where can we get the confidence from? From God's Word. Not more entertainment, not more more of the world. I'm telling you, it's a dead end. It's the wide path, and many are going in by it. There's deceived. Just call it what it is, deceived. We've been deceived from the Garden of Eden, and it continues to this day. So finally, Peter goes back, he repeats in verses 9b through 10. So he repeats this doom and this destruction of the unrighteous. Interesting. Why would he repeat it? Well, it's important. And he puts an exclamation point. Look at this, verses 9b through 10, about the description of the depravity, the deception, the delusion of these people, false teachers, false converts. This is what's going to happen. 9b, and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of doom, especially those who indulge in the lust. It means this, it's an unbridled desire. Could it be sexual? Of course, but not necessarily. You have a lust and a bridal desire for anything. But here's the key, and they despise authority. Wow. Don't tell me what to do. Bold and willful. They don't tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Key number three, write this down. Several marks of a false Christian are that they have unbridled desires for ungodly things. They reject godly authority. They have a rebellious attitude. And they speak evil of spiritual things. Write this down. Key number three. This is going to be very important. If you're going to identify the false from the true, this is just from verse 9b through 10. Several marks, not all, but several marks of a false Christian are they have this unbridled desire, these desires for ungodly things. They reject godly authority, and they have a rebellious attitude, and they speak evil of spiritual things. Now, I have to say this point, so listen closely. It is totally possible to have these characteristics. Listen closely and do all of these characteristics very covertly. Very stealthily. I'm going to push against godly authority. I can still smile while I push. And that's often how it plays out. I've said this over the years, many years now. Not the first time. I said this for years. It'd be, I would much appreciate it if you just punched me in the mouth than talk about me behind my back. At least I know where you stood, right? It's just how this thing works because that's the enemy. He slithers even to this day, doesn't he? Just slithers. I used the illustration earlier this morning that I believe it to be true, but in my life and your life, for every true believer here, what he's doing is he goes around to the house of your life. And just like the burglar on the movie, he checks every little window, doesn't he? Ah, that one's locked. Rats. Next window. But he finally gets around to a window that's unlocked. And now he has an open door. 
And now he starts planting seeds. You're not getting what you want. Yeah, you should be envious of that person because, yeah, you deserve that. And all we're signing up for is James 3.16, which is not on your screen. But where there's envy and where there's selfishness, confusion and every evil thing will be there. I've never counseled anyone in all of my years of ministry that had an amazing marriage, amazing home, was living for the gospel, and they were envious and selfish. I've met some other people who've had amazing marriages, amazing homes, amazing ministries in their personal life, the most selfless people I can talk about, and there's not an envy bone in their body. Do you see how the enemy works? And yet in this culture that we live in, there are strong delusions that we're living under. Delusions. There's this prideful arrogance. You've got to remember that, that you become who you hang out with, and that's just not for kids. You become who you hang out with. That's why you've got to identify, is this person who's professing Christ, are they really a Christ follower? Because you will become like them. They will wear off on you. Now, here's the good news. If they don't want to chatter with you, whether it be through gossip or lies or whatever, if they don't come up to you, that's actually a good sign because they can detect who they can saddle up next to. And they also detect who's not going to deal with it. That's why this is so, so critical that we understand this. And Second Peter tells us this as we're on our guard. If you talk negatively about godly people. Be careful you don't get sucked in. It's like a, a whirlpool that it just sucks you in. You gotta be on your guard. Second Timothy, listen to these words that Paul pours into young Timothy, chapter 3, 1 through 9. He says this, but understand this, that in the last days there will be and there will come times of difficulty. Well, here's the description. Tell me if this sounds familiar to anybody besides me. For people will be lovers of themselves. <laughs> Welcome to America. Lovers of money. Proud. Arrogant. Abusive. Disobedience to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. There's the unholy that we're pursuing, the holiness that we're pursuing. Heartless unappeasable, never happy, slanderous, gossipers, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, they're treacherous, they're reckless, they're swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having, here it is, we finally found it, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households. The interesting word there, creep. It's stealth. It's covert. Capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions, always learning, here it is, but never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Their foolish hearts are darkened, that's why. They never really gave their life to Jesus. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupt in mind, and they're disqualified regarding the faith. But here's the promise for those people that are inflicting and attacking you, the true believer. But they will not get very far for their foolish follies, what that means, will be plain to all as it was of those two men. Let me read this key one more time. Key number three. Several marks of a false Christian, not inclusive. They have unbridled desires, uncontrolled desires for ungodly things. Well, what things? Well, name them. Selfishness. Envy. Bitterness. Gossip. Slander. On and on we go. They reject godly authority. If godly authority tries to say, no, we need to go this direction, they go, but wait a minute. No, no, we don't. 
No, we don't. Okay. They have a rebellious attitude. And often, let me chime this in, when I've seen kids that are rebellious, not all the time, but many times I also see rebellion in the house. And they speak of evil things, even all with a smile. Write this down, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 13 through 15. Listen to Paul as he writes to the church in Corinth. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves, there it is, to charade as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Take heart, dear one. Their end will correspond to their deeds. It's frightening. I can't tell you the number of examples. I've lost count of the number of people, both men and women, that started well. But time is the great exposure of who we all really are. And it just took some time, years in many cases, to expose that they really weren't in. I mean, we're talking, I could give you some examples that would make your head spin. You'd say, you're lying, you're making this up. I'd say, no, I'm not. Like, we're talking wicked, demonic stuff all under the banner of Jesus. That's the work of the enemy. And you've got to be able to identify this. Because you're in a culture where you're no longer going to be able to go to the water cooler and just somehow just kind of, you know, get out of the conversation. No, you are now in the minority as a believer. You're in the minority. Like, they're coming, they're gunning, and you're going to be held accountable. And if, if you're not sure, if you're not true, if you're not in the Word, if you're not a self-feeder, you're, you're just making yourself weaker, just weaker. But you get in the Word, and the Word's in you, and when, the Bible says this, Jesus says, when they persecute you, don't worry what you will say. Don't worry about it. He says, you will have the words by the power of the Holy Spirit, that what was hidden will be revealed. Everything will be made known, made plain at some point on that day. And that's why in Judges chapter 21, 25, our last verse, Judges 21, 25, you talk about where we are in our culture today. Here it is. In those days, there was no king in Israel. You go, wait a minute, that's Old Testament. Yeah, but listen to the next phrase. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Well, that's where we are today. Everyone, we're just going to do what we want. You just do what you want. And there's going to be a heavy price to pay. Church, as the truth and the darkness continue to violently collide inside our homes, as the truth and the darkness continues to violently collide inside churches all across our country, I am fervently and I'm urgently pleading with you, I'm begging you, I'm beseeching you, I'm praying for each of you that you will tenaciously hold the line, that you will tenaciously hold the line and be willing to be mocked. Be willing to be slandered. Be willing to be gossiped about. Be willing to be persecuted for standing for the gospel. Because it's the gospel that has the life-giving power to set us free. May God find you. I pray this over you right now as I'm talking. May God find you unwaveringly faithful. Unwaveringly faithful as you run hard after His glory and pursue His holiness. As was once said, the only way for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. May we not sit on our spiritual hands any longer. We can't do everything, but let's refuse to do nothing. Biblical boldness, as I said earlier, is the oxygen of the hour. May you doggedly resolve today to count everything else as loss and be determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Totally trust God today, church. I pray this over you. Totally trust God with all the inevitable consequences that are going to follow of being a fully obedient disciple of Jesus. Because here's the deal. He will hold you fast. He will hold you fast. And may the Lord, may the Lord rescue the godly. Amen. I love quotes, and I close with these quotes. 
I read this several weeks ago, but it needs to be repeated. The Prince of Preachers, Spurgeon, said it like this. The same sun which melts wax hardens clay. And the same gospel which melts some persons to repentance hardens others in their sins. G.K. Chesterton said it like this, a dead thing can go with the stream, but only a living thing can go against it. And I never thought I would quote this last name inside a church, but I'm going to. Costy Hen, a relative of Benny Hen, false teacher himself, Benny Hen. Here's what relative says after being under that teaching and seeing the deadly poison that he witnessed firsthand for years. Here's what he said. Leave a church if your pastor won't call out blatant false teaching and dangers and has a track record for remaining silent when the fight for the truth is on, end quote. We are in a serious hour. As I said before, this is no time to be sleeping in the pulpit. And this is no time to be sleeping in the pews. We are in a serious hour. And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit today that you would live for Jesus all the days of your life. Father, we come before you Lord, if I asked how many people could we think of that have true biblical courage to stand for the truth and the truth-tellers in the midst of the battle. It would most likely be a small number. Oh, Lord, I pray You'd increase that number starting today. I pray we would see the dire seriousness we're in spiritually in our country. Father, help us to realize that we're not in a situation in our country that can be blamed on the economy. It cannot be blamed on who is or who isn't in the White House. It cannot be blamed on any other factors, only one. We are in a spiritual crisis. And God, I believe this, if we continue to mock You by rationalized sin in our homes and churches, God, I believe that Your judgment is looming. So, Father, I ask a simple prayer. I pray there would be one, just one today, that would just say, I'm standing for the gospel. And if it costs me my job, if it costs me my family, no matter what it costs me, I'm willing to pay the price. Oh, Father, I pray for that. I pray for that courage right now. Lord, if there's one here today that's never given their life to You, I pray that they would understand the Gospel. And the Gospel's not about having this figured out on the front end. The Gospel's about giving our life to You first, and then You help us figure it out on the back end. And so speak to those hearts today that have never truly surrendered their lives to You. Maybe there's a dad here today that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, have illuminated where they need to begin to pastor their families. Pastor their family like you've called them to, God. Maybe there's a, a woman here today that needs to repent of, of sin. Maybe there's a, a child, a student that just simply has heard your call today. Oh God, help us. Help us, God. We can't do anything apart from You, but with You all things are possible. And so God, as You move in this time, don't allow us to rebel. 
don't allow us to despise your authority in our lives. Don't allow us to be willful and disobedient. But God, give me, give every person in this room a soft, tender heart. Oh, Father, we give this time to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.